Good morning, everybody. Yeah, that's great. Clap some more. Yeah. It's almost like playing college football all over again. Hey, guys. Uh, my name's Aaron Wells. Um, it sounds like I have a lisp right now, doesn't it? Sorry. <laughs> Sometimes when I get up in front of a microphone, you get a little nervous. You start to repeat what's going on in your head. I'm going to try not to do that. Um, so this morning, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 10, um, verses 25 to 37. Uh, I'm going to read those right now while you guys are getting your Bibles out, and then we'll pray, and we'll jump into this. Uh, and behold, I'm reading from the English Standard, Ver- English Standard Version too, so it may be a little different. Um, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus, Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. And now by chance a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, um, two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay when, you, when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day, and we thank you, God, that you've given us scripture to read and to be um, encouraged by and to, to grow in. Lord, how I pray this morning your spirit would go forth, and we would all learn together. Um, what this lawyer should have learned, Father. Lord, we thank you for your grace, love, and kindness, and for your peace in your name. Amen. So, guys, story time kind of thing. I'm a story teacher. I do story time here at the church, so I move a lot. I wore a short sleeve shirt because I might get a little hot and sweaty. So, I got to keep the kids entertained so this might get a little wild at times. I'm just giving you a precursor so you know what's going on. You're not like, this doesn't happen every Sunday if this is your first time. That's why I only get to come up here occasionally because I do stuff kind of wild. So, uh, let's look at this picture now. I want you to picture with me what's going on in this story. You have Jesus, and everyone has at least some idea of who Jesus is, the Son of God. He's here with his disciples. Um, We know from the beginning of this chapter that Jesus had left the region of Galilee and was traveling. And as he's traveling, he has some disciples, right? Like a whole lot of them. Like not like one, not two, not twelve. He had like over a hundred maybe. Like specifically, it says that he talks about the 12 who we all know about, but he says at the beginning of chapter 10, he had 72. That's a lot of people, guys. 72, that's more than a gaggle. That would be like a lot, okay? And he has 72 of these guys, and they're hanging out, right? And Jesus is like, hey, guys, I want to do some really cool stuff, and I want you to do it for me. And the guys are like, right on, let's do this. Again, I'm paraphrasing. This is the living version by Aaron Wells, so... (laughs) If you're reading the Bible and you're like, it doesn't say that. You're right, it doesn't say that. But we're paraphrasing. So, uh, he grabs these 72 guys. He says, I want you to go out into the countryside, and I want you to go before me into the places where I'm going to be coming. 
And when you go before me, I want you to do some certain things, and then I want you to come back, and we're going to talk about that. So the 72 go out. Boom, they're out. They're going. Villages, towns, countrysides, and they're doing all these amazing things for the Lord. And they come back, and they get together with him, and they tell Jesus, this is amazing. Jesus, I can't believe it. We were casting out demons, and we were healing people. It was crazy. You know, mind blown. Right, guys? He's freaking out, freaking out. This is amazing. This stuff doesn't happen every day. This is miraculous stuff you don't see on a regular basis, amazing stuff. And Jesus is like, no kidding, guys. I'm the one who sent you. Not to mention I'm God. Not, too, not so amazing for me. But for you, I get it. So Jesus is there with them, and they're talking. And you can imagine, if you have over 100 people in a room, that's a lot of people. Like, look around right now, kids. Is there a lot of people in the room? That's my son right there. Let me tell you, this is father's boy. I ask a question, I get an answer. So, like, <laughs> all the time, even when you don't want him. So you can imagine you're in this room. So you, you, like, put yourself back in Israel. Like, we are talking like they have gone on dusty roads, traveling. Uh, maybe they just got back. Maybe some of the guys are straggling in. They're hot. They're kind of smelly. Like, deodorant, we had, like, they didn't have Old Spice back then. Maybe a little oil. I don't know what you do. But anyways, they're super hot, right? And they're kind of smelly. And, you know, it's dirty because they're walking in the dirt. You know, like kids like, yeah, who loves to play in the dirt? Personally, if I know I can get dirty, I love playing in the dirt. Like if I know it doesn't matter, it's totally okay, right? Mom, let me go do my thing. Making mud pies and all that kind of stuff. Digging, making a mess. It's fun. So they're dirty. Yes, mud pie, son. They're dirty. And, you know, maybe there were some animals outside. And it was really hot. I've been to Israel. It's not a cool place. Like, we don't wear parkers in Israel for a reason. It's stinking hot, right? So just close your eyes for a second and imagine. And just, I want you guys to do me a favor and play along and just start to talk about something. I don't care what the subject is. Just start to talk so we have a little bit of noise so we can kind of get an idea of what a room of 100 people sounds like. A little louder. Eli, come on, get louder. Louder, louder. Keep going, a little bit louder. So you can imagine. Keep talking. Right? And Jesus is talking to people. And they're having this conversation. And everything's going pretty good. And they're talking. Keep talking. Don't stop talking. I'm not done yet. And so they're doing their thing. Boom. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, okay, like keep talking. Don't stop talking. All of a sudden, this is what's amazing. A guy, maybe sitting in the front row. Look up there. Don't look at me. Okay, I want you to imagine Jesus is up there with his disciples. Keep talking. They're having a conversation. I see Jesus. And all of a sudden, I almost lost my Bible. A lawyer stands up. A lawyer stands up and he says to Jesus, he says, sorry, I lost my place. I dropped my Bible. I was so excited. <laughs> a lawyer, it says in verse 25, stood up to put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, teacher. He probably didn't have to yell. It was a little smaller room, but bear with me. Teacher, teacher. And Jesus, you know, gosh dang it, Jesus, he's up in front, right? Where's the lawyer at? He's down here. Boom. <laughs> Lawyer's down here. He's looking at Jesus. Picture with me. Eyes, think about it. Jesus in the front room. Lawyer stands up. Teacher, what shall I do? And maybe he looked around the room. I don't know. It's the lawyer. Who knows? They're lawyers. Like, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, normally, we would think that's a pretty good question, right, guys? Don't we all want to know how we can live the longest? Like kids. I'm breathing hard. Hold on. Sorry. 
I'm bigger than I look on stage, okay? <laughs> so, it adds like 20 pounds. <sighs> so, imagine with me, okay? A lawyer was not just a normal person. Right, guys? A lawyer wasn't like just a truck driver. He wasn't like Lightning McQueen. He wasn't like Emmett from the Lego movie who didn't have a job. He was a lawyer. He had a very specific profession. And it says in the Bible that lawyers, synonymous with the word scribe, they had a job. And to you, you're like, a job? What lawyers? They don't have a job. They just like mess with people. That's not true. Lawyers do have a job. And even back then, they did. Their job was to copy the law. So they would take these big scrolls, guys, big ones. You know, they throw them like this, and they'd roll them down, down the front. And they would sit with their pen. Not a pen, stylus. And they would copy the words of God from the Old Testament, from Moses. These things that had been handed down, they were responsible for copying these things down, word for word, letter for letter. And if they messed up, they had to start all over again. All over again. So they were pretty good at copying stuff down. Not only that, but they were responsible for remembering the oral traditions. So these lawyers had a pretty big job, and you can imagine if you did every single day of every minute. Like, who here plays video games, little guys, gals? Some people. I do. It's okay. You can admit it if you're big. It's fine. There's no shame. Okay? Right? Like, if you play um, Mario Kart, my son's favorite game, you play that every day, you're pretty darn good at playing Mario Kart, eventually. And you can imagine a scribe, if his job was to copy the law down every single day, he would be pretty good at remembering what was in the word of God at that time. Right? And so when he stands up, he's going to put Jesus to the test. Let's come back to the story. And this lawyer puts him to a test. Now, generally speaking, when you give a test, you have an answer for the test, right? If I give you a test and I say, hey, um, what color shirt am I wearing? This is a test. Do you have eyes? Absolutely. Steve, this is a test. I'm going to give you three options, Steve-O. Steve's one of my best friends right here in the front. Okay? If I'm giving him a test, guys, and I say, Steve, what color shirt am I wearing? Blue is one. Green, two. Or red, three. Steve, which one? First one, option A. Very good. Give him a hand. Smart guy. I'm wearing a blue shirt. If I'm giving you a test, guys, I know the answer to those questions because I'm giving you the test. So this lawyer, I don't think, was asking a sincere question. He wasn't really trying to find out how am I, as a lawyer, going to find out how I get to the place I need to get to, which is eternal life. He was trying to test Jesus. I don't know about you, but it's probably not the smartest thing to test the smartest person in the world ever created. God. But that's okay. He did it anyway. So his test is, what shall I do to inherit eternal life. And I love Jesus' answer. Jesus' answer isn't, well, you're an idiot because I'm God and I know I know the answer. He says, hey, you're a scribe. You're a lawyer. You're an intelligent person. What do you think about that? And so the lawyer's like, well, hey, perfect question because I have the perfect answer. I'm the lawyer. What does he say? Look at verse 27. And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. These are textbooks answered, guys. Like, if you didn't know this, the first half of that, you shall love the Lord your God, comes from Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 5, 
which he knew and had written and had memorized. And the second part of that comes from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Love your neighbor as yourself. The scribe does what? Jesus, easy question. I'm a scribe. Here's your answer. You know, and I don't know if the scribe at that point was like, boom, I'm out of the room, guys. I just got Jesus. Peace. You know, I don't know. He's like, yeah, Jesus ain't got nothing on me. I'm a scribe. You know, he wasn't like that, right? But I'm sure maybe inside his heart, he maybe felt that way just a little bit, right? Jesus asked him the, the same question, basically, he asked, and he had an answer for Jesus because he knew in his mind the word of God. And what's interesting is that Jesus' response is this. Verse 28, he says to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Now, guys, I struggled with this for like five days. And you guys are probably like, wow, Aaron, you're not so bright. I'm brighter than you think. So he's like, do this and you will live. Pretty simple answer. But here's my question mark for you, okay? If we're supposed to love God with all our heart, right, guys? That's in here. All your soul, all your mind. Let's see those muscles. Bam, bam. Firepower, right? <laughs> Strength. That's the easy one to remember. You're supposed to love God with all of that stuff, right? And then it says, and love your neighbor as yourself. I find that to be somewhat difficult. And only because of this. If you don't know someone, right, how can you love that person? I have a dog. I want to tell you about my dog, guys. It's not man's best friend. It's man's worst friend. There are three people, four people, that my dog likes. My wife and my kids. That's it. The dog barks at me when I come into my own house. Guys, this is my house. I pay for that dog's living. I pay for his food. I pay for his vet. I pay for his water. And the stinking dog barks at me. That's what everyone says. Oh, he's just loving you. That dog don't love me. You know what's even worse? He barks at everyone who comes to my house. So I'm trying to be hospitable, and what's the dog doing? Steve comes up, and it's a little dog. It's a little, little dog, little. His name's Guster, the loving pet. And Guster, right, my kids love that dog. My wife loves that dog. That's why we still have that dog. That's right. But this is what's interesting about that. None of you love my dog. None of you do. And I can tell you all the wonderful things about my dog. Oh, he's so cute. He's a, he's a Cocker Spaniel Poodle. So he's got this really pretty brown coat. And he's curly hair, and it's so soft. And he's got the little nose and the little big brown eyes. You know, and then he hops up in my wife's lap at night, and he just sits there, and he cuddles with you, and it's just so sweet. But guess what? You don't love my dog because you don't know my dog. I can tell you about my dog. I can tell you all kinds of Things about my wonderful dog. But you still do not love my dog because you don't know my dog. Yeah, people say that's not true. Trust me. You're lying. I just caught you at church. That's horrible. <laughs> so here's the deal. We'll get to that, but uh, I don't think pets fall into love thy neighbor, and that's not what this is about. So we're going to continue. So we're going to talk about that a separate time. Here's what happens, though. If you don't truly know someone, you can't truly love that person. I would say that love is superficial. It's based on a knowledge about that. And this scribe, when he recited the words of God back to him, he did not love God. He had a knowledge of what it was to love God, and he knew it well. 
He knew it perhaps better than anybody else. But simply knowing about something does not translate into love for that thing. And the scribe, the lawyer, that's where he was falling short, I think. And so when he asked his question, when Jesus answered him, he gave him an impossible answer. He says, hey, dude, you need to actually love me, not what you read about, but actually love the person of God with everything. And that is truly impossible unless you know God. And what did he just said? Actually, if you look back two verses, in verse 22, it says, all things have been handed me over to me by my Father, and no one who knows the Son, or no one, who, no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So knowing God is dependent upon knowing Jesus Christ, and the only way you can know Jesus Christ is by actually having a relationship with him. And this guy did not have that. So, I think this guy has some serious problems. But Jesus doesn't say that to him. What he says to him is, yeah, you could do that and live if you could pull that off. And so I'm, if I'm the scribe, if I'm the lawyer, guys, I'm wondering to myself right now, like, hey, wait a second. Jesus said, I kind of got this right. I do love God. I'm a lawyer. I know the law. Right? But in all that kind of weirdness, right, he's at the same time, maybe in the back of his lawyer mind, he's thinking to himself, but this whole neighbor thing, hmm, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I mean, I know I got Jim living next door to me. He's a pretty cool guy. But that other cat, Fred, I don't know about that guy. You know, and then Martha lives over there, and I don't know. I mean, I kind of love them, you know. But then I hate going to my mother-in-law's house. She's crazy, you know. Not my mother-in-law. She's here. I love my mother-in-law. She knows that. <laughs> right as I said that, I was like, oh, dang it. <laughs> my mother-in-law knows I love her. You guys aren't going to believe me now, though. Bummer. But anyhow. I know for some people that's kind of a bad deal, but, uh, you know, these are all problems for him, right? And so it says, desiring to justify himself, the lawyer's response to Jesus' response is, and who is my neighbor? <laughs> I love it. Who is my neighbor? I got part of this equation, why? Because I'm a lawyer, I got all this down. But, you know, this whole neighbor thing, I guess there could be some gray area there. So Jesus, I'm going to ask you, who's my neighbor? And Jesus decides to tell him a story. He says there was a man, okay? A man was going down from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho. I have nothing. This is just my code. I couldn't do what I wanted to do. This is like plan B. So this man is just a guy. Doesn't say what kind of guy. Doesn't say anything about him. He's just a man. Man is walking to Jericho. Now, if you study scripture at all, you find out that Jericho, like that road from Jerusalem to Jericho, dangerous road. Like, it was, it was pretty common for people to get robbed in a bad way, right? And so when you kind of went that way, you kind of risked it a little bit, but it was, you didn't have to go through Samaria, so it was kind of a good thing if you were a Jew living in Jerusalem. And so anyways, that's what they did. So it says this man is walking down the road, okay? He's kind of walking. He's doing his thing, okay? And you can imagine, you know, it's a hot day, balmy 95, sun's beating down. You're a little warm. I mean, you're wearing an outer coat, but you're going down. You're traveling. You know, and as you're walking... You know, you're kind of cruising, and I got this picture in my head. You know, you're kind of going by a big, like, rock mountain thing, and all of a sudden you hear a pebble. Pebble. Keep walking. But it's quiet, right? It's super quiet. It's so quiet, all you can hear is the rocks dropping. You know people get robbed on this road all the time, so you're a little afraid, right? But you're just kind of cruising. Caca, caca, caca. 
And if this guy watched any movies, which he didn't, he would have been really afraid, though. He's like, what the? So he's cruising along, you know. All of a sudden, he hears something, maybe. He's like, whoa. He's like, oh, man. Oh, dude, robbers are here. So he's working it, right? And he's trying to go a little faster now. Maybe he's picked up his pace. He's walking a little faster. And then he's walking. And all of a sudden, under and overhang, what happens? Ah, boom! Dude, what was that? He's like, oh, somebody, help me. Somebody, please. I just lost my mic. Somebody, please help me. Oh, don't take my shoe. No, my shoe. Not my other shoe. No, not my shoe. And the shoe's gone. I lost my mic. And they take not my coat. Give me back my coat. No, they take it. He's hurt really, really bad. Right? You can imagine with him. I'm just going to say like this for a minute. He's down. He's hurt bad, guys. He can't move his legs. His back hurts. He's lying on the ground. The sun is beating down his face. His clothes are gone. And oh, God. <laughs> his eyes, they're fluttering because he's in terrible pain. I thought that would be much more like traumatic. Apparently not. And he's just hurt. He's, oh, he took him everything. Oh. And all of a sudden, you hear something coming that way. Footsteps, guys. Footsteps. And he, he opens one eye because it hurts so bad. His eyelids hurt. He opens an eye, and it says he sees a priest. And he's like, yes, priests. Priests are good people. They... They worship God, you know, they, they, I was in service at the tabernacle last week. Oh, it's so bad. I'm not sure if anyone's going to help me. <laughs> It'll be a priest. And the priest is walking and he maybe just gets one little hand up in the air. He's like, ouch, ouch. And the priest sees him. And the priest is looking at him. And the guy's laying there. Let's put my shoes back on. It's kind of weird. I'm in church. Sorry. But he's laying there on the ground. He's been stripped. He's bleeding. Guys, this guy is seriously hurt. He's not okay. He can't feel his legs. And this priest comes walking along. And priests, you know, they're responsible for the worship of God. They are the descendants that God said, you are going to be the guy who's going to lead the people of Israel into worship. And you are going to be the guy that shows. So if anyone should save this man, who should it be? It would be like Ken. Ken's our pastor. He's the priest. If we were all walking along, who would we first think? Well, Ken's the guy. So Ken walks by and he sees the guy laying there and he's like, did his finger really move? That's not even a person. And he's out. He's gone. The priest is gone. And the guy, you can imagine, if you're that guy, I think I broke something. If you're that guy, and the guy's laying there on the ground, and he's looking at this guy, and he sees the priest walk by, and I'm sure he's like, where is he going? Doesn't he see me? <laughs> I'm going to die. What is happening to me? And he's there. And it says next, after the priest walks by, it says a Levite. Let's come to verses now. Verse 22, so likewise a Levite. Sorry, I'm all messed up. So a Levite. Levite comes by. Levite 
is like the right-hand man of the priest, responsible for all kinds of like worship duties in the church or the tabernacle, and it would be like Kip at our church. So Levite, Kip, synonymous. So <laughs> Kip comes walking by, and he sees the guy, and the guy sees him, and he's reaching up his little fingers, and he's like, Kip, Kip, it's me. I'm okay. Please help me. Please help me. Because he can't talk. His jaws and Kip, same thing. He comes walk along this Levi. He's supposed to be. Guys, this is a big deal. These are the people that we put in positions of leadership that are supposed to be serving, right? And being the example to us of what it is to be a believer. And this guy, Levi, comes walking along. Let's do my exercise. I'm Levi. I like to walk, get exercise. Good to go. Boom. He's going. He's out. And the guy is still there. Guys, two people have passed a person who is hurt. He's bleeding. His body is broken. He just needs one person to please help me. I don't even need you to do anything for me. I just need you to get me out of this position. I'm hurt. I need your help, please. And he's on the ground. Two people have passed him. It's totally quiet now. Nothing. Nothing. And then he hears something. And I'm sure he doesn't even look up this time. He doesn't even move his finger. He's like, I've been denied by a priest, a Levite. Everyone who's supposed to help me in the world, why would anyone else do it? I'm just going to lay here and die. But who comes along? A Samaritan. The unlikely hero of our story today, people. The Samaritan walks along. He has a donkey. He's pulling a donkey, maybe. Stinking donkey, you know. And it says in verse, sorry, verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where the man was. So the Samaritan, guys, this is a crazy deal. Samaritans were like, I don't know, what's a good example? They were like the baddest of the bad. They were the mortal enemies of the Israelites. For example, I tried to get some good ones for you guys. But the Samaritan-Israeli or Jewish relationship was like Swiper and Dora, right? Dora's like, Swiper, no swiping. Swiper's like, hey, 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 I'm going to swipe. Swiped it. Ha, 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 I got it. Right? And Dora's like, ah, Swiper. He swiped again. Swiper, no swiping. All those little guys are like, adults without kids are like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> if you have kids, you know. Or it's like, you know, Luke Skywalker and the Emperor, right? Luke Skywalker's with the force powers. <sighs> Emperor, electricity, right? Mortal enemies. This is probably, probably going to get trouble for this, but Harry Potter and Voldemort. Those guys are mortal enemies. And if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, Frodo and Sauron, mortal enemies. These guys are against each other. They don't get along. When they see each other, it's a battle, right? Think about it. When Frodo, Sauron, he's like, I'm going to take you out, Frodo. And Frodo's like, no, I got the ring, bink. And he's like, I can't take it. Oh, let's take it off my hand, right? They're mortal enemies. They don't hang out together. They don't grab coffee. They don't hang out and eat like falafel. They don't do that kind of stuff. When they see each other, it's like Samaritan, Jew. And they leave the other way. And there's all kinds of reasons why I'm running out of time, so we're just going to leave it at that. Samaritans and Jewish people at that time did not get along. Okay? They were not friends. They were enemies. Enemies. 
enemies. So, well, this man is lying on the ground, and you have two people responsible for the worship of God who should have a relationship with God, who should be leading the way and showing us how to do this the right way. They didn't do it the right way. And then you have the mortal enemy who you would think would walk by with the donkey, look at the guy and laugh, and then go, come on, donkey. And he pulling the donkey over the guy. He's like, ah, 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 why, why? I'm already on the ground. It hurts, doesn't it? It's not necessary. But he doesn't do that. The Samaritan sees this man. And all his pain and his agony, and he's, he's missing everything, and he's destitute. And the Samaritan sees him, and it says the Samaritan had compassion on this man. Compassion, guys. That's a big word, huh? It's got like ten letters. Compassion. But it communicates a desire to care for someone who's in need. To truthfully take time to care for them. And the Samaritan sees this man. He takes compassion on the man. And he binds his wounds. Maybe he tears his cloak. And wraps the guy's wounds up. Picks him up very gently. Puts him on his own donkey. Maybe he was riding that little donkey. Puts him on his donkey. Takes him to an inn. Says he took care of him the rest of that day. And the next day he had to leave. And he gave the man their money to take care of him for the following days and said, If it's uh, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay when you come back. And then he leaves. And then Jesus says to the man, He says, Which of these three examples, the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, which one proved to be a neighbor, proved to be a neighbor to the man? Let's hear it again, guys. Which one? Who? Who? Yes, the Samaritan. And it's funny that we can all sit here and we can all see that example. And we all know without a shadow of a doubt the person who should or who did the right thing was the Samaritan because he cared for someone who was in need. And when the man was asked this question, he says, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. And so I want to close with these thoughts. I'm out of time. I think there's a couple things that we can take away from this. I, I, I would like to say, and when I started this, I wanted to say to all you guys, hey, little guys, you should go be like a good neighbor. Like when your friend is hurt, you should go take care of him, right? And, you know, like when... Um, someone has a bad day. You should be encouraging that person, and you should look for ways to do that because that's important. And I think all those things are in this story, and you could get that. But I think the beginning of this whole story started with what? What question did, this, did the lawyer ask? Remember when I stand on there? What did he say? He said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The question that Jesus was answering from the very beginning of this whole thing was, how do I live forever? Yeah, I know, right? That's what I thought, Eli. How do I live forever? And Jesus has given him, to, and given him an example of a neighbor or someone who was being a neighbor and said this is what being a neighbor really is about. And I think what was, he was trying to say is you cannot do this. When he said you go and do likewise, that was a challenge. That wasn't like, a, hey, we're having a great day. That was a wonderful conversation. See you later, bro. Bam, have a good day. That wasn't one of those. That was a challenge to this very lawyer's frame of reference to think to himself, so far, I know that 
I think I had this right about loving God, but that's impossible because I don't know God. I can't love him. And now he asked me to care for people who could be my enemy. I've never done, neither would I ever choose to do that. And yet, you're telling me for, to gain eternal life, this shift has to happen in who I am. To prove what I'm about, that's, that's definitely part of this story. But when Jesus said, go and do likewise, I think the guy's response probably should have been, that's impossible, Lord. How exactly do you expect me to do that? Because that's a pretty high goal. Because I'm not going to catch every person who needs help. I'm not going to go by people all the time and do the right thing. And when you say all, you definitely mean all, not part of, or a little bit. You mean every single time, in every way, every day, every minute. That's what all means, and I can't do that. That should have been the lawyer's question then, right? That's a good one, but how do you really want me to do this? But he didn't ask that. He just left. He just left. I don't think he ever really, I don't know what happened with that guy. But I think what Jesus was saying to this guy and what he says now, we find in John chapter 14, 6, and I'll end with this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. He was trying through all the illustration of the neighbor, through letting this guy tell him what it meant in the law, to letting this guy set himself up for these things, to move him to a place of seeing, I can't do it on my own. And I need someone to help me do that. And the only person who can help me do that is Jesus. And if I know Jesus, I can know God and I can accomplish this. And so the way to eternal life is not just being a nice person. That's part of it. That's great. That's a great part of it. It's an important part of it that we should aspire to be. This Samaritan is someone we should try and be like. But the point of eternal life is to know Jesus Christ. And I think that's what this guy, what Jesus was really telling this lawyer, this scribe. You don't know me. You know about me. But you do not know me. And the lawyer's response should have been, how can I get to know you, God? Instead, we don't know what happened. So I hope today as we walk away from this, you know, I don't, you guys read the scripture, you, you wrestle with it. But when I wrestled with it, this is what I found. That eternal life is all about knowing Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him, all your good stuff and all your knowledge about him is not going to be the thing that's going to save you. What's going to save you is actually knowing Jesus Christ. And I pray that today you would all know him. And know him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time and your grace. We thank you that we can know you and that you make it clear that that is found in diving into who you are. And there's great... Out, there's great uh, overflowing from that, Father, but the truth is that we just need to know you more, and then that will enable us to do all manner of things, God. I pray that everyone who's sitting here today would know you. I know that's your prayer, too, and that's why you came. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this day. Amen.